producing content that is helpful never expires. And so if you can find a niche that um, where you can be helpful to people, you can absolutely uh, thrive on YouTube. I'll tell you what, Anna Harak, I think our guest this week absolutely nailed it there. It doesn't matter what channel you're creating content for or even under what circumstances you're creating content for. If that content is helpful, if it actually uh, assists somebody in knowing more or making better decisions, there will be a market for it. And our guest this week on Social Pros, Mike Schubick, who's the proprietor of Mike's Road Trip, is evidence of that philosophy in action. Mike has been uh, a travel writer, a travel blogger, a travel video creator, uh, and a content creator in the travel and tourism space now for well over, I think, a decade and a half. And in this episode, we talk a lot about kind of how that business works uh, and what separates somebody from Mike from some of those pretenders out there. Yeah, it was a great conversation. And, you know, obviously to all of us listening and and tuning in, it seems like creating helpful content is obviously the golden rule of social content creation. But sometimes as we'll explore in this, we kind of, you know, lose a little sight of that. Um, Having personally researched um, some recent vacation destinations, uh, I can tell you that not all content out there is helpful. So, but Mike has some great tips on how to become more Instagrammable and catch people's eyes and some trends that are happening. It's just a great, great show. Yeah, it's nice to have somebody uh, on Social Pros who was really not only making content every single day for their own brand, but has been doing it for so long, has kind of seen the full evolution of this industry. And we talk about that a lot in this week's episode of Social Pros. Don't forget, if you haven't had a chance to download our 500th episode commemorative guide, we would love for you to do that. We talk a look at all the episodes we've ever recorded here on the show, interviewed some of our uh, guests who have been on the show multiple times, pulled together trends, things that have changed in social over the last decade or so. It's a lot of fun. Go to bit.ly slash social pros 500 to download it for yourself at no cost. bit.ly slash social pros 500. I'm Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. She's Anna Harak from Convince and Convert. Here we are with another episode of Social Pros. This week, Mike Schubick from Mike's Road Trip. This week on Social Pros, I am so excited to have as our guest a longtime friend, somebody that I literally grew up with as a business professional from my old stomping grounds in Phoenix. Mike Schubick is a proprietor of Mike's Road Trip. And I got to tell you, his story is incredible because I remember years and years and years and years ago, he said, I'm just going to make content about travel. And I'm like, cool. How are you going to get paid for that? And here we are. He has figured it out, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Schubick, welcome to Social Pros. Hey, thank you so much, Jay. It's a pleasure to be here. I have literally watched this career of yours uh, unfold step by step uh, over weeks and months and years, but it would probably be illustrative for the Social Pros community for you to give a little uh, summary of kind of what you do and, and how you do it. Yeah, so I am, you know, it's kind of evolved over the years. I initially started calling myself a travel writer and then a travel blogger, a videographer, whatever. And now I just kind of consider myself a content creator. 
whatever the kids call content today, that's what Mike calls himself. He's smart like that. It's all about the branding. Uh, so you go, you travel around, obviously more so now that COVID has uh, at least abated, uh, travel around and document interesting, great places for people uh, to visit. How do you decide, COVID notwithstanding, how do you decide where to go and what to do? A lot of it is driven by relationships that I've developed over the years at travel conferences and uh, trips themselves. And I will work with destinations and brands to go on a trip and, and create content and promote it on my various channels. I would love for you to talk a little bit about that relationship piece, because so often, not only here on Social Pros, but I think in the social media community at large, there's this belief now that what you really need is some software. And then if you've got the software package, you can just go doot, 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 and it'll spit out your list of influencers. And then you just DM them and they come and do something rad for your hotel. Now, I'm not suggesting that influencer software isn't uh, important. We've done a lot of work with Analytica at Convince and Convert on the B2B side. My daughter actually works for an influencer marketing platform. So I'm not going to uh, drag the industry but but the relationships that you alluded to there, Mike, are important, right? Because I suspect it works a lot like the speaking business where you met somebody could be years ago and then eventually they've got a thing for you to do. Can you can you talk about that, please? Oh, yeah, absolutely. My very first travel conference was TBEX, which is a dedicated travel conference to travel bloggers. And that was back in 2011 in Vancouver, uh, BC. And when I first started travel blogging, I had no idea this would become a, a career path or anything like that. But when I was at that conference, I was so inspired by what people were doing. And this is at a point when people had never even heard of a travel blogger. And it, at that point, I was just calling myself a travel writer. But at that point, that's when I really started to develop and see the benefit of travel conferences. Uh, when I went to that, I met so many people, both from the brand perspective, destination stuff, but also a lot of other fellow bloggers. And it was just this incredible experience that we were all kind of coming up together. And many of them are still around today. But I, I really learned a valuable lesson that there's nothing that substitutes that in-person exchange. And that became very evident during COVID. Because during COVID, we did a lot of virtual meetings and stuff. And they were just, from my perspective, they they were they did not have the benefit of being in person and and really developing that relationship with somebody. But you're right. Uh, you know, there have been periods where I've met people five years ago, and finally the timing, uh, the uh, the budget, whatever it is, starts to to come together. So. Since we're on the subject of COVID, there are a lot of people who are reevaluating what they do for a living. And you have, I think, what a lot of people want, which is to just say, you know what, I'm going to cash it in. I want to go travel. I want to make beautiful videos and, and contribute to something and help people find these amazing destinations. I want to go travel for a living and make it my living. And you already kind of started touching on what it starts to take to get there with building relationships. But can you talk a little bit about for people who are like, I am so ready to cash it all in and go on the road and make this my life. Can you tell us a little bit more about what it actually takes to get there and, and the, the foundation that you've had to lay and that it's not just as simple as I'm going to go buy a plane ticket and shoot an amazing video and publish it? Yeah, I think Instagram, for example, has really 
given a false reality to what it takes to be a content creator out there. It's not so easy to just go take a photo. Uh, there's weather to consider. There's um, so many logistics behind it. And today, it's, there are so many people who want to jump into it that the industry has become quite saturated. So it's not as easy as it once was to kind of get into this. And you really have to be dedicated to this craft. The one thing that nobody tells you is how much work is involved. I work seven days a week and, and have for years, but it's also something I'm very, very passionate about. I love traveling and I love creating content and sharing experiences and stories of places I've been um, that most people won't get a chance to, to go to or visit. So a lot of people live vicariously. I would suspect, Mike, that one of the reasons that you have been successful at this is that you were a marketer before you were a content creator. And so I've always felt like one of the things that sets you apart from what is now like millions of people who want to create content for travel destinations is that you think of these assignments from the marketer's perspective. Like how can I add value to the brand, to the destination, to the marketing director, whoever's got the budget? My observation, and this is probably old man yelling at clouds, but my observation is that sometimes some of these newfangled influencers, it's more like, well, how can I benefit myself and my personal brand and get paid to do it along the way, right? And obviously, you care about your personal brand and building Mike's road trip. But but thinking about it from the marketer's perspective, isn't that ultimately one of the differentiators? Oh, absolutely spot on. Uh, it couldn't be. Uh, yeah, that, that's it's an absolutely spot ob observation. And I think a lot of people today are really looking for shortcuts and things like that. And there really are no shortcuts. And the other thing I will say is not only is my marketing experience benefit me, but what I've noticed for others, especially in the video space, the the creators who are really successful they have acting experience. They're really able to communicate and they, they, they uh, come across as very natural and genuine on camera because they have that experience in acting. So I've noticed that those two factors, if you have maybe both of those, oh my gosh, that's the holy grail. That's really interesting about the acting background. I never even thought about that. You mentioned, Mike, that you started off as a travel writer, right? That, that sort of, um, you know, that, that whole career path was well established, right? With people writing travel guides and, and things along those lines. Um, and then you got into video because that's kind of how it works now. And obviously you're doing uh, destinations that have a lot of visual impact. If I recall correctly, you started on YouTube from a, from a video standpoint, because that was kind of the only game in town. And now, of course, short form video, whether it's Instagram, uh, or TikTok, et cetera, has become the flavor of the day. If you were starting today uh, and you're like, I've never done this before, but I want to start today, would you just start with a TikTok account and work backwards? Yeah, I would. If I were starting today, I would probably find, you know, everything, everybody seems to want to be all things to all people. I mean, YouTube is a great example of doing shorts. I'm not sure that that's the right direction for YouTube because everyone else is already doing short form, form content. But I think it would be behoove somebody to really find a channel and just focus on that channel and being the best you can at that channel and being expert at it, uh, whether it's it's TikTok or Instagram or Snapchat or YouTube, whatever it is. Uh, I think that's definitely the prudent way to go. Do you shoot differently when you're creating content 
that you know is going to be in YouTube versus Instagram or TikTok? Do you actually you know, edit differently, frame the shots differently, different lighting, sound, anything just from a content creation perspective that you're mindful of based on platform? Yeah, if I had the resources to do that and the time, I absolutely would. But honestly, I have never taken Instagram or or TikTok or, or uh, Facebook in earnest. I've never created content in earnest for them. My primary goal is YouTube or horizontal format that I can distribute on multiple platforms, uh, mainly streaming. So I have never really focused on those channels, albeit I have created content. But if I wanted to be an expert at Instagram shorts, if you will, or I'm sorry, reels, then I would absolutely focus on uh, uh, creating a, um, a direction that would create better videos for those platforms. So for now, it's shoot it horizontal, assume it's kind of YouTube specific or YouTube native, but then create vertical highlights wherever it makes sense is sort of a frosting, if you will, uh, for for TikTok or, or Reels. Yeah, absolutely. And the other benefit is a lot of the filming that I do is in 4K. So the file is large enough where I can crop it uh, vertically without a problem. Yeah, I guess that is a really smart tip, right? If, you know, that you can you can make those kind of changes post shoot and it's still going to work. Uh, okay. The, the challenge with TikTok, of course, is they don't usually like to let you upload very big files. They like sort of want it to be semi crappy, which is yeah, a, little yeah, yeah. Mystery, a little bit of a mystery <laughs> to me. Go ahead, Anna. Um, I just love, I, I think semi crappy is kind of in their brand toolkit, right? Jay? <laughs> <laughs> the official phrasing. Well, look again, uh, old man yelling at clouds. I mean, we're, we're Mike and I are, are old enough to remember a time when quality always was victorious. Uh-huh. And then somehow along along the way, we decided that convenience trumps quality, right? Spotify sounds terrible, but it's way easier than carrying around a car full of CDs, right? Yeah. And and TikTok video quality is typically not very good, not nearly as good as YouTube. But we're like, well, you know, it's easier on our phone and it's fun and we got songs and, and all that. Like in, in a lot of places, um, in the world now, content quality and fidelity uh, isn't necessarily the victorious criteria, which I find really interesting just as a as a human being, um, because it didn't used to be like that. Yeah, I, I, that is frustrates me to no end because I feel the exact same way. I think quality should trump that, and it doesn't in so many cases. And it's very frustrating that you see people get such incredible traction, but their co- content is absolutely horrible. And I don't quite understand it. And I guess that's what you you come back to. Everything is being driven by the algorithm. And quality is not part of that. (laughs) So because that actually does tap into my next question for you, Mike, which is because YouTube is really your first platform love, and that's still your main hub. And that's really where you spend a lot of your efforts. What are some of those untapped opportunities that people aren't really taking advantage on for YouTube today? What are things that you see that are just missed opportunities from people uploading and really not using the platform to its best advantage? Well, I think producing content that is helpful never expires. And so if you can find a niche that, um, where you can be helpful to people, you can absolutely uh, thrive on YouTube. But I also think that there's so much competition for YouTube in the streaming platforms. So for example, uh, I've had a Roku account or a 
Roku channel for probably seven years now. And I that's where I get a lot of my traffic is off of Roku. And then, of course, you've got all these other people getting into that space, Amazon Prime, um, there's a number of different streaming platforms out there. Uh, Newsbreak, I don't know if you've heard of that one. It's about a year old, and that one has gotten a lot of traction. And it's mainly for localized content. So if you produce something just on San Diego rather than California, um, that's a, a platform for you to upload there. And they are getting a lot of traction. That's fascinating. It's like Mike Schubeck has his own production company, essentially, right? The same way that that you know universal pictures television makes shows mike makes shows and then distributes them and whoever wants to watch it however they want to watch it is yeah. is their permission do you have um challenges with or maybe it's an opportunity not a challenge having the same video like your san diego series in a bunch of different platforms or, or doesn't it matter it's actually good if it's in a bunch of different platforms yeah, I don't know that it matters because they're different audiences watching at different times and the search algorithms are different. So I don't think that is a problem at all. Let me see if I can phrase this question in a way that makes sense. Do you believe that your job is to help people who have already decided to go to a destination enjoy that destination more? Or is your job to help people decide whether to go to that destination at all? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, I think ultimately my job is to create good content for the client. And the byproduct of that is to hopefully inspire people uh, to consider the destination. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Would you rather work for uh, what's called in the industry a DMO, a destination marketing organization like San Diego Tourism? Or would you rather work for a specific um, uh, organization like a hotel or um, an attraction? W w is there a difference in, in how you work or kind of what it's like to work with those different um, clients? I don't think it's much of a difference. I mean, obviously, if you're working for a hotel, uh, it, it's very verticalized. It's it's just all about that hotel or maybe the surrounding activities near that hotel. But if you work for a DMO, uh, then you get to experience a lot more. So it's a lot more fun, I guess, from that perspective. So I am actually curious, regardless of, of which client you're working for or where you're visiting, you do get some amazing shots. And, you know, you do everything from cool aerial shots to really beautiful close-up details. I mean, you just get some really, really great access. So how does that actually work? Like, let's take a hotel, for example, like you just talked about. Like, do you let them know you're coming in advance and they set everything up and you have a loose script? Or is it just sort of you get there, you feel out the property, and then you decide what to shoot? Like, what does your process look like for actually going to visit and bringing that video to life. Yeah, it would. Uh, well, thank you so much for the kudos, by the way. Uh, it would actually differ depending on the project. Uh, like, for example, the Sri Lankan, uh, I just went to Sri Lanka and I was on a press trip for two weeks. And while I had an itinerary, I didn't really you know, there's no substitute for being on the ground and really experiencing and, and taking in the smells and the flavor of a destination. So in that particular context, I didn't really know what I was going to film. I kind of took more of an organic approach and allowed the, the stories to come to me. For example, I went to Sigaria, which is a third century BC 
uh, old ruin on a 600-foot rock that is similar to um, Machu Picchu, but about a thousand years older. And so when I experienced that place, uh, I thought, this is going to be a good video. This is a good story to tell. Now, in contrast, uh, I just went to the Maldives and I worked with a really high-end hotel called uh, Kadima. It's an amazing property on one of the largest islands in uh, the Maldives. And they have endless activities with the aqua villas over the water, all that stuff. Um, when I, I worked for with them, uh, I actually sat down with the PR person. I talked to them about some of the things they'd like to see highlighted. They helped organize a lot of the activities to help me get that footage. So it kind of differs depending on the project. It is. And it's so crazy, too. And just I think everybody, even regardless of their their travel vlogger and blogger and reporting status, has experienced that where you're trying to plan for a trip and then you think you got what you you know want to do and then you get there and it's like a totally different experience. And yeah, I, I could totally see just there's nothing to substitute in person and being on the ground. Oh, yeah. You just don't know until you go. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I think travel is just, well, I, I think travel is so amazing in so many ways, but one of them is I just think it's been my greatest educator. I mean, when you meet different cultures, like when I was in Sri Lanka, I met this guy. Uh, he was our tour guide and we really became friends. Well, after the tour, he actually invited uh, my friend and I over to his place uh, for dinner with his family. And to have that cultural experience is amazing. And to learn how they're making uh, these curry dishes and everything, it was just awesome. So you meet these people around the world, you, you learn about their cultures and everything, and it's just a great education. How far in advance of you going out to shoot do you want to kind of know what you're doing, where you're going? The reason I ask this question is that coming out of the pandemic in the speaking business, uh, in many cases, the amount of time, lead time that speakers are given between, hey, you're hired and hey, here's when the conference is, has gotten really small. So it used to be six months, right? Like I would know what my speeches are in August. And now it's like, hey, what are you doing Monday? Which is you know, a yeah. little harder from a prep perspective. Totally. Have you seen anything like that? And and now that people are more comfortable with content creators and and paying content creators, uh, is your lead time or kind of client prep getting getting better or worse? Well, I'll kind of backtrack a little bit. Um, I would say between 2015 and through 2019, I tried to book my travel six to 12 months in advance. And so I would have things booked long in advance. And, but, and then people would come to you and want to do something short notice. And it's like, yeah, I book out so far in advance, it's very difficult for me to do that. But sometimes there might be an opportunity where I can kind of plug that in. Uh, I would say everything after COVID has become, yeah, much more complicated. Although I, I just got invited on a trip and it is a little bit of a lead time. It's about six weeks out. And I don't have a lot of stuff planned because a lot of people aren't doing press trips and things yet. So it's, it's kind of difficult to answer exactly. Yeah, I'm sure as we go along here, uh, assuming there's no uh, major reoccurrence, that, that things are going to start to settle out a little bit over the next three to six months, uh, I think. Uh, go ahead, Anna. 
So I was just curious, though, obviously your travel planning has changed. And because you have such a pulse on just the entire travel industry, and, and then you're seeing, you know, different trends on, on social and getting all of this feedback, I'm curious what trends you're seeing now. And specifically, is it as it could help social pros in the travel and tourism space or, um, you know, just brands out there who are really looking to, you know, kind of take advantage of maybe some early trends that you're seeing or, or you know, even what you're hearing from people in general? Well, I think it's been this way for a while, but I think people uh, certainly want more experiential type experiences. And I think people, at least experienced travelers, they want to go to those places that they are lesser known. I mean, going to Paris or whatever, it's like, who cares? But going to Lafayette or you know, maybe to the Maldives or somewhere more exotic or remote that not every one of their friends has already been to, I think is a, is a trend. And not only that, but having these cultural experiences. For example, uh, there's a uh, website, I think it's homestay.com, and they focus on putting travelers together with locals. And I did this in Nepal in a rural village where I stayed with a local family. Uh, Now, thankfully, I was with a friend of mine who is Indian and she speaks Hindi and was able to to speak with him. Otherwise, there was no English spoken. Uh, but it was a great experience because you you spend a couple days with them. You go to the farms where they're getting their food and you're sitting with them while they're cooking meals for you. And uh, things like that are, I think, a, a trend that people are really looking for. You know, a lot of folks have spent two plus years not traveling very much, if at all. And so there's not only a pent up travel budget, but I think a pent up desire for all right we're gonna blow it out like we're 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 doing a bucket list thing you know we're not gonna go to you know kingman no offense to our friends in kingman <laughs> um <laughs> one thing i wanted to ask you mike because you've been doing this so long is there's so much more awareness about the power of social media from travel and tourism professionals dmos even even you know gms at hotels etc it seems to me that that there's now actually changes to what they do on property to make it more Instagram catnip, right? Oh, and whether that's the, you know, you've got the the wings on the wall and take a picture in front of the wings mural or or you know, very Instagrammable food from from chefs, right? That it's like, hey, this has to look really good uh, on camera in a low light situation. Uh, that's extraordinary to me that people are actually changing the experience so that the experience is easier to pass along. I suspect you've seen some of that in your travels as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's monument signs, for example. Destinations are investing in monument signs of the name of their city so that uh, people can take a picture of them in front of it and post it to Instagram. But then you have to work with public works and make sure that there's ample place to pull over. you got safety issues to consider, things like that. Uh, but it may be not just a monument sign, but it may be something that's photogenic. Um, I actually have a friend who's a mayor of a small town in, in uh, Arizona, and I've been telling him about this for a while. And I came up with an idea for them. Uh, they haven't executed it yet. But I was saying, you need that Instagrammable uh, monument or piece of artwork or something that will draw people and they will come from far and wide to photograph it. It's, it's unbelievable, the social media effect. 
they wouldn't happen to be the mayor of Cayman, would they? Because we might need to issue a written apology. No. <laughs> Opposite direction. Okay. You have to edit the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's 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 tragic, though. I know in some cases you've had destinations um, that have now been overrun, right? Because people are like, well, I got to check that Instagram photo off my list of collectible photos, right? And it's too much. And so now they've had to uh, make some changes to it and, and sort of victimized by their own success. Sedona, perfect example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you cannot drive through that city anymore. You can't walk through that city. It is overrun by tourists. And that's not the only place. I mean, it's, it's just all over the world. It's, it's really remarkable. Here's a great stat for you. 25 years ago, there were 400 million international travelers. In 2019, it was 1.5 billion. Wow. That's a four, four X increase. That's incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And I believe uh, tourism is the second largest GDP in the world. I mean, this is tourism is exploded. And there is if it wasn't for COVID, I mean, there would be no stopping it. I believe it'll probably be another year, maybe two before we get back to 2019 levels. But you're absolutely right. There is a pent up demand for tourism right now. And one of the interesting things is that there were a handful of places in the world that were open to tourism. And the Maldives was one of them. And so the Maldives became overrun by tourism like 100% occupancy at all of these hotels because they were one of the few places in the world you could go to. That's an incredible success story uh, for them. Not that the Maldives was mm. struggling for visitors to begin with, but um, but certainly makes sense when everybody else is is uh, zagging you zig or however however that uh, that saying goes. But but that said, you know the Maldives is actually a pretty new tourist destination. It, it's sure, only yes. about ten thing. twelve yeah. years old yeah. from a, a perspective of where they really started building resorts and really started pushing tourism. I'm going to go ahead and vote that we do this show from there next time so we can give everybody the experiential podcast treat that they are really seeking from this post. Agreed. Pandemic. And I can recommend a great hotel, Kadima. <laughs> done, done, done. Um, Mike, I actually did have a question, though, about as we're talking about all this pent up demand for travel. And of course, you know, we've touched on the fact that, you know, this travel influencer space is so crowded and just exploding and people with, you know, uh, the great resignation and people wanting to really enter, you know, potentially go into a new field for themselves. How do people go about and how do you recommend? Because you do have such a distinct brand and you've obviously really put your marketing knowledge to, to work on that. And it's, it's a beautiful brand. It's so well-developed. It is so robust and consistent. How do you recommend people start to create their own brand and bring it to life on social and start to stand out from the pack? Because I got to say, even recently, uh, my husband and I are actually planning a trip to Napa and I tried to go and find videos and, and, and look at influencers and it's insane how many are there, but just the lack of branding as well. So what do you, what's your advice to people for really developing a brand that can live in a really robust way on social? 
Yeah, I, that's a, a great question. Uh, there are obviously once you get your logo and maybe a tagline done, you want to be consistent on how you integrate that across all your channels. So, for example, your Instagram, your uh, your uh, TripAdvisor banners, your YouTube banners. You want to create these really cool brand uh, banners that are very distinct and recognizable, and utilizing the same color schemes, the same fonts. Uh, these are very subtle things uh, seemingly to, to a novice, but these, um, these really help you become recognizable across whatever channel that somebody might interact with you. Yeah, no question. I mean, all the Mike's road trip ingredients are very consistent across the board. It really does help you stand out, especially, as you said, when you're on all these other streaming platforms like uh, Roku and, and Amazon Prime and everything else. It's, it's pretty spectacular. Uh, Mike, where should people go uh, to get all the Mike's Road Trip content? Uh, Mike'sRoadTrip.com or anywhere on social media at Mike's Road Trip. Mike's Road Trip. There you go. Mike Schubick is our guest this week on the Social Pros podcast, travel content creator extraordinaire, friend of the program. I'm going to ask you the two questions we ask everybody here on the show. First, what one tip would you give somebody who's looking to become a social pro? I would say becoming an expert at one or two platforms would be my recommendation because there is just so much there's there's so many opportunities out there, but it's best to just stay focused on a couple of platforms and become an expert and develop your audiences on those. Yeah, as we talked about on the show, you've done that yourself. Like, yes, you have a presence on Insta. Yes, you have TikTok, whatever. But it really is YouTube first. And that's a choice. And that's uh, there's a reason for that. It's how you shoot. It's where you came from. You've got a tremendous uh, success there and a huge audience. Like, I completely agree. It's a great tip. Last question for Mike Schubick this week on Social Pros. If you could do a video call with any living person, who would it be and why? Uh, this would be pretty easy, I think. Uh, Elon Musk, huge fan. Uh, the guy is single-handedly changing the world for the better. I, 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 I just am such an admirer. That's an answer we've had on the show in the past, and no question. Talk about somebody who's not afraid to make big swings, uh, and uh, and 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 you know, sort of go about his business as if everything is possible uh, yeah. and making crazy things happen. So. Absolutely. Uh, great answer. Don't forget, friends, go to mikesroadtrip.com to get all things back. Where are you going next that people should pay attention to? What's your next big adventure? I've got a couple things in the works, but nothing solidified just yet. All right. If somebody wants to send Mike to Kingman, Arizona, or wherever you happen to represent, uh, just go to <laughs> mikesroadtrip.com uh, and hit that contact us for him and, uh, and, and bring him out there. He will do an amazing job. Mike, thanks so much for being here on Social Pros. Great to catch up. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. We loved it. Anna, that was super fun. I think we should both quit our day jobs uh, and join the millions of itinerant uh, social media content creators in okay. the tourism space. Yeah. How, what are you, <laughs> you with right. me? Yeah. Yeah. Let's take the show on the road. Anna, I think you and I should go get, you're not super tall, so I think we could do like a motorcycle sidecar kind of a thing, which would be a nice visual <laughs> for, our, for our content creation uh, universe. I would genuinely love nothing more than to ride sidecar through. That would be Italian. fun. Should we start Italian countryside first? Go sure, one, whatever one you want. I'll tell you what, I've got a road trip guide for Tuscany that would knock your socks off. That's Done. See? 
probably in the top 20, maybe top 15 of the, my favorite trips, uh, road trips, was around Tuscany. Yeah, what's funny about Mike is, yeah, I don't know, the Tuscany road trip might be top 20, I don't know, maybe. That's, that's, that's a tough gig, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right, don't forget. fortunate. Yeah, he's definitely doing it, doing it right. MikeShortTrip.com, socialpros.com. Uh, uh, thanks, as always. Thanks.